from our commercial <laughs> break. I don't know. Should we do ads? Should we start doing ads? Do we let have us, people let do us, ads? Let us know in the comments. Is there a comment section on Spotify? Yeah. <laughs> there Did is. Did I tell you that my mom asked me about the comment section because you kept saying that there were there is a comment section? And my mom was like, where do I find the comment section? And I was like, no, that's it doesn't exist. I She was like, but you keep referring to it. And I was like, well, I do that as a joke because <laughs> really, I keep saying it. No, there's no comment section. But I mean, people can give us a review if they yes. want. Yes. And we have gotten some really nice reviews, a few people that we know and a few people that we don't know. So we really appreciate those. Yes. You're the unsung yes, heroes. Do. Of the podcast. And, and they can, like, follow us on Instagram and just, like, DM us, and then you can read what they say. Yeah, to totally. Um, if anyone didn't know, I am the one that does the social media, uh, yeah. because Katie edits the episodes. Um, so, if yeah, you we want like to, to talk nice to me specifically, <laughs> if you want to <laughs> talk to me specifically, slide into my DMs. At yeah. girls just wanna pod. Pod. I think that's right. Did I ever tell you how I one time I like used uh, when I was running indie provs social media like way back in the beginning when I was running it because we didn't have a Snapchat and this is back when like people were other than just Gen Z was using Snapchat and I was like we should have a Snapchat and. Um, so what happened is that I ended up making the Snapchat and then uh, there was definitely one time where I like was using the IndieProv Snapchat to uh, like talk to a boy. <laughs> I know. You were like. It's a gross mis- <laughs> uh, like misconduct or whatever. Gross misuse of power. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what it is. <laughs> Speaking of Gen Z. Katie sent me some really interesting text messages. Disturbing. Disturbing photos. So I guess I think there's this thing been going around on TikTok. And I don't know what the original like video was or if it's just like a general consensus of Gen Z against millennials that, let's see, skinny jeans are out, middle Mm -hmm. parts are in, and the crying laughing emoji face is also out and needs to be replaced with the skull emoji which i've been trying to do what i heard (laughs) i've been trying to use the skull emoji but to me it just doesn't translate in quite the same way like it's not always appropriate sometimes you need the crying laughing emoji you know i agree um i'm i'm gonna keep using it but maybe i won't use it if i'm ever corresponding with a Gen Z individual. What? Is Gen Z like 1997? Yeah, it's like anyone under the age of like 24 or something. Okay. Is Gen Z. Gotcha. Until um, like, I don't know, whatever the little kids are, they don't count, obviously, because I'm like not interacting with small children. I would, I would say the one that, that I have the most beef with of those three is the middle part because me too. I have a very pronounced widow's peak. I mean, it's not like huge, but like it's there. And when you have a widow's peak, it's like, do you part 
in the middle, like of the <laughs> I just think it looks so weird. I don't so. know. I tried. So this whole week, I've been <laughs> I've like sent Aurelia photos of me in a middle part, giving it an attempt. Um, but I, so I tried yesterday. Like I got out of the shower and I was like, okay, I'm gonna like part my hair now and so when it's like drying like it's gonna whatever and it just doesn't it doesn't look good it's not flattering I, I think for most think people your hair is pretty short and I think a middle part looks better on like longer hair like that like hippie vibe and also yes. your hair was cut because you use a side part so it's like cut that way for you to part it on the side that is that is true, and I'm also um, bad at doing my hair. So. Right, sure. <laughs> so like, I probably like should not be attempting any kind of new <laughs> hairstyle ever. Um, but I don't want to get bullied, so I don't know. Well, I can understand and respect that. Um, well, uh, I really need to work on my transitions, but um, we your transitions we wanted... are great. <laughs> Because usually just because I'm just Gen like Z isn't here to bully you. Doesn't mean you need to bully yourself, Aurelia. Well, uh, I think my transitions are good because usually I'll have one, or I'll be like, I don't know how to transition into this next topic, so let's just talk about it. <laughs> um, let's see. Let's talk about film and television. Yes. The Golden what? Globe Awards, or I'm sorry, nominations came out. Um, also, the SAG Awards. The nominations came out for that, and I think the NAACP Image Awards also nominations came out, um, but I haven't really done much research on those. Other than, other than I know that um, I May Destroy You and Lovecraft Country, like, both kind of got snubbed at the Globes, but they did get nominated nominations for the other two because that's like specifically what I was researching I wanted to make sure that Michaela Coleman and Journey Smollett both got nominations because they didn't for the Globes and that's like insane yeah and I actually wrote that down that I wanted to specifically talk about that because I May Destroy You was one of the best television shows I watched this year it's definitely difficult to watch especially if you have like any trauma or triggers around um like sexual assault and things like that um but it was so so good and uh Michaela Coleman um she is incredible she wrote the whole show and started it too um and the fact okay Emily in Paris is not the worst show but it's not good and it shouldn't have been nominated for anything in my opinion right it's like okay it's like escapism show yeah i enjoyed watching it because some people are saying like oh this is happening because people hate watched it they like watched it because it's so bad and i'm like that's not really why i watched it i'm not gonna go around saying it like should have these nominations but i watched it because like it's fun you get to travel to Paris with this, like, dumb girl who everything just happens. There's hot people in it. Outfits are very cute. Like, that's fun. to It's escapism, and that's fun to watch. Absolutely. So I'm not going to, like, 
put it down as being like this thing that doesn't deserve to get renewed for a second season. Yeah, but but that doesn't. But mean yeah, that the it nominations, award, right? Especially you know? that it got nominated over other really great shows that didn't get nominated. Yes. Yes. Also true. Um, did you know that Lily Collins, the main girl, is Phil is Collins' Phil Collins' daughter? daughter? Yeah, I did. I've always known that. I didn't know that. Yeah. I Which, lucky for her, she doesn't look like Phil Collins. No, no, no. Not no, that he's, doesn't. like, ugly. I'm not, no hate towards Phil Collins, but, like, the fact that he made that is, like, you know, I wonder what her mom looks like. Yeah, I do wonder. I'll have to look that up later. Um, but other, I mean, other things. There are three, three women got nominated for Best Director That's for Golden awesome. Globes. Regina King for One Night in Miami. I watched that this weekend. It's like pretty good. It's. Is it a movie? I don't think it's like. What? Is it a movie? Yeah, it's a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, it's. A, it's like a historical drama. It's about um, Malcolm X, uh, Jim Brown, Sam Cooke, and Muhammad Ali. And like this, they spent like one night together hanging out in a mo- hotel in Miami. Um, and so that's like what it's about. And so if you're into those kind of movies, which is like, here's just a part of history that we're like, recreating and giving new life to then I think you'll like it if that's not your thing then maybe you won't I don't know but overall good movie worth the watch I would say and the director for Promising Young Woman also got nominated which you have you you saw that I haven't seen it I'm a little nervous I know I asked you about it so good I'm worried that it's like scary though it is not scary at all okay um, I don't yes, like, I like scary movies. It. I know. And I won't watch them. Well, you this, do like Keanu Reeves scary. movies, and those are scary because the acting is so bad. Okay, that was, like, really <laughs> unnecessary. Like, that didn't have to come in here at all. It's just, I you really just chose violence. like there was a strong <laughs> opening for me to just <laughs> dig the knife in a little deeper, you know? it was That was nice for me. Um, speaking of other television shows that were not nominated for Golden Globes <laughs> for the right reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, Keeping Up with the Kardashians is going into their final season. Final season. What number I haven't season watched is it, it since probably like, 20, like college. 20 seasons? 40 seasons? Uh, Do you know? No, it can't have been that many. I'm going to guess, what's your guess? I'm guessing 17. I'm going to guess like 25. It's been oh, I think for a right. long time. I think it is season 20. Oh, cool. Yeah. Amazing. So 20th season, final season. Yeah, it was one of those things that like when I was at my parents' house over the summer in college and it would just like be on E all day, every day, I would like watch a bunch of episodes. <laughs> and you know what? It's fun for the same reasons as Emily in Paris. Yeah, and... That. And it's also similar to The Bachelor, I feel like. Oh, do you think that they'll cover Kim and Kanye's, like, stuff? Divorce? Their crazy stuff that's going on? I don't know. He's he's not really on the show. I don't think he's in it as much as, like, everyone else. Like, I think that was part of the whole deal is, like, it doesn't really talk about him. So, TV. I don't know. Um, 
The Bachelor. Let's see. Still happening. Still. <laughs> still happening. Heard, okay, there is a theory, like a conspiracy theory, that um, there was a contestant who w- has been like eliminated from the whole show. There is some like clues. <laughs> That people were saying because at one point uh, a girl was talking about like a group date and she was like, yeah, the 18 of us. But then there were only 17 names read on the date card. And then like the teams on the date were uneven. And it was like, why would you why would you have uneven teams? And like, why wouldn't you just bring someone else along? Because not even everyone got a date that week. Or like if there were uneven teams, then why didn't any girls talk about there being uneven teams and that being like unfair which they usually would have. So the theory is that there was a contestant who was on the show and something big must have happened that they had to not only like eliminate her from the season, but had to erase her whole existence on the show. Like maybe she got COVID or something. That's what I was going to say. And they didn't show that entire day date section a couple weeks ago. Are you talking about when they wore the squirrel costumes? No, that they showed that. Yeah. There was a whole like a group date where they just went straight to the after party and they didn't show the day portion of the group date. And the day portion involved special guests, uh, Tasha and Jojo. So like they would have shown that, but they didn't. And so the theory is maybe this contestant who had to get erased was a big part of that day date and they couldn't just edit her out of it. Wow. Yeah. I had not heard those theories. Um, yes. All of my bachelor theories come from, <laughs> again, Date Card Pod. That is a bachelor podcast and Instagram account. Worth a follow. Yeah, now that I am a simp for The Bachelor, no, not really. I will never be. I do I do appreciate it for what it is. I, mm-hmm. I don't want to say that I like it <laughs> because I'm not sure that I do. But I'm not going to actually, like, give any of the spoilers. But I did read a spoiler announcing who the next Bachelorette is. And if it's actually true, I would be more inclined to watch because I do really like that particular person the person yeah, yeah. I think it's definitely if and I prefer... she is the one that they end up going with um I think she's definitely a better choice than some of the others that were kind of in talks from previous seasons yeah so, and I prefer the idea of a woman of a, of a bunch of guys fighting over a woman than a bunch of women fighting over one man <laughs> I prefer that, I think, because, like, it's always, like, women against women in, yeah, I like, think I, pursuit in of general, getting a man. I do like the Bachelorette seasons over The Bachelor. Um, so there is that to look forward to. It is interesting, though. I've never really watched a season of The Bachelorette um, because, I don't know, like, grown men – like being dramatic towards each other just sounds like ridiculous. I don't know. It, it is ridiculous. Yeah. Um, not that like when women do it, it's any different, but just like I don't know. <laughs> um, cool. Well, 
think we're ready to introduce our guest for this episode. Yes, let's introduce her. Okay, her name is Shyla Kiesling. Uh, she's a dear friend of mine, and she's a research coordinator, a hemophilia research coordinator, and also uh, does some sign language interpretation as well. So it's really interesting to to get to talk with her. So please enjoy our interview. Hello, hi. Uh, we are here with a very special guest, uh, Shyla Kiesling. She is a hematology research coordinator and a part-time sign language interpreter as well. Welcome, Shyla. We're excited to have you. Hello. Thank you so much. I'm thrilled to be here today. And to kick things off, uh, Katie scoured the interwebs and found for those of you that don't know hematology is related to like blood and blood disorders and things like that so katie found a quiz online (laughs) okay i was gonna go along with you saying that i had scoured the internet for this and uh (laughs) that i had educated myself on hematology just for the purpose of this episode but you have Reveal my secrets. <laughs> I did just find it. Okay, so Shyla and I will play together because that feels like the safest choice. Yeah, it's been a while, I think, since you took your last hematology class. Is that <laughs> correct, Aurelia? It's like been a minute. Yeah, you mean the all the hematology classes that I took when I got my liberal arts degree? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> I'm sure it was still interesting though. Yeah. Like a different perspective, you know, you were doing the same, probably the same courses. So it spiced it up a little bit. (laughs) Um, Okay. I'm going to skip the first question because the first question is just what is hematology the study of? And I think Aurelia kind of already answered that with uh, blood, right? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Good, good, good. Shyla is uh, clapping for me. (laughs) Okay, here we go. So question number two. What is the formation of blood cells called? And I do have multiple choice if we would like the multiple choices. Yeah, give us the choices, Katie. Okay, okay. The choices are hemoglobin, hypochromia, hypoxia, or hematopiosis. (laughs) I was going to say platelets. So clearly that's not right. <laughs> D, the last one. The last one, hematopiosis. Yeah. Hematopiosis, yes. It's the longest of the words and most difficult to pronounce. So I think that's probably correct. We'll find out at the end. Um, okay, <laughs> what is the medical term for a white blood cell? Is it, your, oh my gosh, erythrocyte, <laughs> leukocyte, thrombocyte? Or xano xanthocyte. This is so. Is there a timer? No. <laughs> um, I was gonna say the throm thrombo whatever, but that's only because that's 
the only one that sounds Does, relatively uh, familiar. Like, leukemia it, have to do with your white blood cells? Like, I think can, you, what, can you name them one more time? Can you yes, name them yes, one I more can. time? <laughs> Erythrocyte, leukocyte, thrombocyte, leukocyte? B, yes, leukocyte. Okay, leukemia connection. I figured it out. Totally, I um, agree. <laughs> okay, let's see. Which or what blood disorder is caused by a combination of ineffective platelet function and an abnormal blood clotting factor? Is it sickle cell anemia, von Willebrand's disease, thalassemia, or erythroblastosis fatalis? I'm going to see VWD. Okay. I feel like I'm casting spells over here. Von Willebrand's disease. I haven't even heard of that, but it sounds fancy. Oh, wait. So. What was the second one? Sorry. Second one was Von Willebrand's disease. The first one was yeah. sickle cell anemia. Yeah. Okay. BWD. Von Willebrand's. Okay. okay. Um, what is the average lifespan of a red blood cell? 121 days, wait, 120 days, unknown, six hours, seven days. Wait, wait, wait. Okay, hold on. <laughs> I don't know. So this is just the I, internet. I, I don't know why I know this. <laughs> I thought that blood just like was forever. That's not true. <laughs> well, one of the answer answer options is unknown. Oh. So maybe that's, that's what I'm going to go with. I have no idea. <laughs> I think I know. What is it? 120. 120 okay. days. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. All right. Last, last one. Okay. What is the medical term for a nosebleed? Is it? epistaxis, erythroblast, embolus, or eosinophilia? A. I think that you just signed A <laughs> to <laughs> us. Okay, let's see how we did. Okay, what is the formation of blood cells called? It is hematopiosis. Nice. So Job. Good job. Uh, what is the medical term for a white blood cell? It is leukocyte. Crushed it. Let's see what other ones did <laughs> we have? Um, which blood disorder is caused by those things? It was von Willebrand's disease. Average lifespan of a red blood cell is 120 days. And medical term for a nosebleed. <laughs> is epistaxis a hundred percent you're a genius no those were hard I, like, we didn't know them oh yeah good job thanks um, ladies that was fun <laughs> um okay so every episode we always start with the same question for our guests which is <clears throat> what did you want to be when you grew up and what do you do now? Oh, very interesting. Okay, so um, as a kid, I had always aspired to be a geologist. Um, mm. 
I wrote that down every year. I had this book and every year, you know, in grade school, I would write down my like aspirations and who my friends were, my, my favorite song. And yeah, I mean, every year and I would use, I used to collect rocks, you know, I, I grew up in Texas on property. So there were a ton of like geodes and arrowheads. So like I would find all these precious rocks and I was like, when I grow up, I'm going to search for rocks. Well, later to find out geologists don't get to go searching for rocks they are in oil mines so I, I didn't know that yes so I um my my goals and, and dreams of that slowly died when I got a little older and understood what they really did um and then now I am a research coordinator so I have coordinated for ophthalmology research, um, and now I am in hematology research. Re research in general is across the board. There is guidelines um, that you know we follow um, here in the states. There's also a European, you know, governed body that in Europeans follow. So um, it's. It's been an interesting ride. I didn't necessarily see myself here because I've always been an eyeball. So I worked as in, when I was in high school, um, I worked at an eye doctor's office, answering phones. And then sure enough, before you knew it, I was um, making glasses in a lab. I did that for a couple of years. I then sold glasses and then I got into the medical side. And then I uh, worked for an ophthalmologist and, or an optometrist and an ophthalmologist and then a retina surgeon. Um, and I was there for eight years. And then I uh, slowly found my way into clinical research. And I just, you know, it was really interesting because I never really thought I was smart enough to do research. That was always, you know, um, something I had had in, in, in my mind. And so finally, when I was exposed to it and I started doing it and starting figuring it out, I was like, oh, wow, like I am smart enough. I can do this. So, um, yeah, that later in life led to interpreting. Um, that was just because, you know, one day I was like, you know, I, I need to go back to school. I don't know what I want to do. I wanted to do nursing. And I had, you know, I, I was a little lost at that point. I was like, where am I going to go? What am I going to do? Should I get my MBA? Like, what's going on? And then um, a deaf patient came in one day and she had a serious eye issue. And... Um, you know, she didn't have an interpreter there. And I oddly, I don't know why this happened, but as a kid, my mom taught me like the alphabet and sign language. So um, I knew a little bit just from being a kid and signing like the alphabet and, you know, little basic signs. And then when I was in high school, I had worked at a, my first job was at Meyer, and I had a crush on this deaf guy. And I was like, man, I'm gonna talk to him. So I'd go home and I would get, I got these books from the library, like it was legit. And I started signing a little bit more with him and then later took high school classes and uh, did really well with it. Um, flash forward, you know, I didn't go to college until I was 27 years old. Like I went to school for a while and then um, I was like, I don't know what I wanna do. I don't wanna go into debt. So I'm just gonna work. And that's when I worked in the medical field. Um, so yeah, um, I ended up going back to school at 27 and just because this lady came in and she didn't have an interpreter and I, I felt helpless in that moment. Like I could not assist her and get her the equal access that she deserved. 
um, it was only a matter of time and we diffused the situation and we, we got where we needed to go, but I assisted and it was like a duty that I was called upon in some facet, like I'm not trying to be the hero here, but it was just a duty of saying, you know, I want this person that was, you know, has no hearing and now she has no vision. And I could not imagine how scary that was. And she was alone. Um, she had taken a cab. Um, so it, I don't even know how she really, how she did it all, you know? So it, it was that moment where I was like, if I'm going to go back to college and go into some debt, I'm definitely going to get something um, extremely worthwhile and beneficial uh, to the people. And for myself, I find a lot of, um, um, you know, positive benefits in my life when I can assist other people and make life better for them. So that's where I ended up and that's where I'm at now. Very cool. Um, yeah. Just to like contextualize this for our listeners, can you give us kind of like, what's the balance for you right now between uh, research coordinating and sign language interpreting? Maybe like, Absolutely. I don't know if you can break down like a week or a month into what that looks like. Yeah, um, to be perfectly honest, they're completely different. They're um, split. You know, I did interpret occasionally. Um, medical interpreting is something I'm, I'm really comfortable with just because I'm already extremely comfortable in the medical field. Um, but I really, uh, I don't do a lot of paid interpreting. And that just means like I do a lot of stuff for friends, some of my deaf friends. Um, I have, you know, deaf friends that have a lot of medical questions. Um, if I cannot find the right answer or convey that message to them clear enough, I always reach out for assistance. I have old mentors um, that I still can confide in if I have questions that, you know, they're, they've been interpreting for 20 years. So, um, I still have those, those, um, those people to, to reach out to, but as far as interpreting, it's more, um, just assistance where I need to be. I would like to turn it back into a job, you know, where I am, um, getting paid for my time, but what a lot of people I don't think understand about the interpreting world and deaf culture is that interpreting is not just a world you can just dip in and out of, you know, and I feel out of respect um, for proper uh, communication skills that I need to be in it uh, full time in order to get paid for my work. Um, I'm very honest and upfront if I don't know something or if, you know, I don't know the answer or if I feel like they're not understanding what I'm, you know, trying to say if it's something really serious. So um, I, I love to do, I love sign language and I love communicating with friends, but interpreting is a whole different world than just, you know, signing with your deaf friends. Um, and that deserves 100% of my time. So at some point I would like to maybe do that again. It's always on my heart. It's always there. I would always assist if I needed anywhere that I'm asked. Um, but the main, you know, the main um, work that I do is research. That's where I, you know, I get paid and I, um, I'm there 24 seven, you know, um, and it also, it takes a lot of my time. Uh, it takes a lot of time outside of work as well. You've got to learn and practice and there's, you know, certi certifications. So um, yeah, it's off the clock to work. Um, it's an investment in yourself as well. Absolutely. 
So focusing more on like your research position, <clears throat> what what does that look like as far as patients that you see? Is it groups of patients uh, like for trials or is it, you know, individual patients? Like how long does that last? Like yeah. Yeah, so um, the facility I work at is a really uh, amazing, unique facility. We have um, not just our hematologist and our pediatric hematologist, oncologist there. We also have um, psychosocial. We have physical therapy. We have research. Uh, we have, um, you know, all these different aspects. Dental. We also have dental team. There's all these different aspects that bleeding disorder patients, um, they have, they have issues with. So instead of like having a patient come in and just see them for their bleeding disorder and going out and getting all these labs, we have like a one-stop shop and patients that are, um, bleeding disorder patients, more than likely they are womb to tomb patients is what they call them. A lot of hemophiliacs are, it's where you're born and you, you're seeing these doctors and you die and you see these doctors and healthcare is very vital to their everyday life. Um, so when I personally go in to see patients, um, these patients typically are having clinic exams, just like you and I would go to our routine PCP, you know, our general practitioner doctor. Um, we would, um, you know, go see our yearly gynecologist visits or, or whatever, whatever it is. These patients are coming in, you know, just for checkups mainly, but a lot of the times they're sick. Um, or they're having ongoing issues or they need infusions where that's where they come in and they actually get their medication weekly. There's some people that come in weekly to get their, um, their medicine. So, um, so yeah, since they are, the patients are coming in to be seen, if research can seek some of these people out and they meet all the criteria for all the research trials that we have going on, we will approach them. Um, and there's like, 80 something research trials where I work. So we have about, yeah, we have about 12 coordinators. Um, and so it's really interesting because there's, you, you can't just pop in and, and take on a huge trial. This is something you definitely have to work up to. So right now I have trials that are very minimal risk. They're low risk. They're what we call observational trials. Um, it's a lot of psychology behind it. A lot of questionnaires, a lot of um, quality of life questions that we ask them just so, you know, we can basically see how people are dealing with hemophilia. Um, and those research trials are really important too. So the only, the only exposure I had to research trials prior to the coming was, um, was pharmaceutical trials. So this is a 180 for me. Um, and it's, it's great. It's interesting and important work as well. So, um, so yeah, I see these patients, you know, once and that's it. Sometimes I can call them on the phone and ask them these questions. Um, if I'm seeing a patient for like a CDC trial, which is a massive trial, uh, they'll typically come in once a year. We go in, we ask them a series of questions and we take um, blood samples from them and the CDC will store them. And um, we have a lot of genetic testing because bleeding disorders are typically hereditary. So there's my facility is huge on genetics and figuring out, you know, who had this, where is it? Can we get other people tested to just further the research, further better, um, 
ways to treat our patients. Wow. 80 trials. That's, I don't know why I was like thinking that you just, so you, I'm assuming you don't focus on all 80, but maybe how many trials are kind of in your realm, in your jurisdiction? So mine on my own, I have five, Um, but I'm also like what's called backup on some. So if um, the main coordinator can't see the patients, I will also, you know, I can come in and cover. I'm delegated to do that. I'm allowed to do that on her trials. So, um, you know, I just, like I said earlier, I've only been at my job for about a year. And so I still have so much to learn. I mean, even the doctor, when I spoke with her that owns the place, you know, she said, it's going to take you at least two to three years just to get some of these bleeding disorders down. So it takes a long time. Like the research side of things, I was still somewhat fresh, but I understood the process, you know, um, as far as bleeding disorders, you know, uh, it, it has been very complex. You know, I, I wish I could, you know, I, I take all the free classes that I can, but it's almost like, man, I would have loved to like go to school and take more classes and which I guess I could, but I'm still paying on those first student loans. (laughs) Totally, totally get that. So what is, what is maybe like the school path? For if somebody already knew early on, they're like, I want to research blood disorders. Like, what would your recommendation be for them to get to this point? Honestly, your just best bet is to, so research itself is something you do on your own. You have to be at an accredited facility to obtain those certifications, but be a nurse. I mean, if I could go back and do it and I had like, the full support of being, not being able to work and, um, you know, figure out a different route. I probably, I definitely would have done nursing, but it will, it's, it's really beneficial when you're, um, a coordinator and you're doing pharma trials because it's, you're, you're taking blood, you're doing EKGs. Um, you know, I've basically done everything that a nurse will typically do. So, it's just great to have the nursing experience and knowing exactly what to do and, um, yeah, research kind of comes on its own. You got to be somewhere and then want to get, you know, certified and they have to have research obviously there, but yeah, go be a nurse. We need more healthcare people out there. That's right. Especially right now. (laughs) Yes. Um, So, uh, what is, um, what is the name of where you work? Is it, uh, sorry, go ahead. No worries. It's called Indiana Hemophilia and Thrombosis Center. Okay, cool. Um, And I know you were saying that like some of the blood disorders, like learning about those are really complicated. So for our listeners and Katie and myself, um, obviously hemophilia is probably like the most well-known one, I would think. Um, Could you tell us a little bit about that and maybe some other blood disorders that are maybe more common or that you've yeah. learned about? Yeah. So um, we typically will see a very wide range of bleeding disorder patients. A lot of our clientele is also um, uh, Amish, the Amish. So there's a lot of Amish people that have um contracted a lot of these, you know, 
factor deficiencies is another name, but you can call hemophilia. So your blood is lacking a certain factor. It doesn't clot uh, properly. And so, um, so yeah, a lot of the patients are Amish um, and there are different factors that go across the board. So you can be deficient in um, factor, there's factor and forgive me because I don't know all these yet, but there's like factor one, five, seven, eight, nine, 11. Um, yeah, and they're not, they're hemophilia, but there's different levels of hemophilia. Uh, we also see what we just spoke about earlier on the quiz, von Willebrand's disease. Um, that is uh, another uh, bleeding disorder. We see a lot of patients that have um, like thrombosis and issues with their thyroid. And that can also cause a lot of random bruising and bleeding. Um, and then a lot of really rare genetic disorders that, you know, I'm not even really familiar with yet, but a lot of sickle cell patients as well. That is um, one of our other, you know, larger population of patients. Hemophilia and sickle cell are probably the two main uh, biggest ones, but yeah, we have a lot of really rare stuff too that that's where genetics kind of comes in and they try to figure out what gene was compromised where, I mean, it is like mind blowing stuff. Um, and if I could go back, I would, I would, I don't need to go back. I can always go forward, but I would really like to learn more about the genetics path of these types of things, just because it's really fascinating. And I don't know if I'll catch to it, but it's, it's really interesting stuff. Like it's so cool. I'm geeking out here, but <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that's good though. It's good to be passionate about what you're doing and, and want to learn more. So that's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, Speaking of, I guess, like links. So when I was Googling hematology, um, I noticed that like it kept popping up with oncology. It was like hematology, oncology center, hematology, oncology. Um, Can you kind of explain like what that connection is and why so often they're popping up together on these Google searches? Yeah, I, you know, I really... To be 100% honest, I don't exactly know why other than, um, you know, a lot of these patients get cancer. So oncology is cancer. Um, and you have these patients have to be watched extremely closely, especially the types of radiation therapies I'm sure they have, you know, uh, or chemo. So, um, so maybe that's why maybe it's just they have like one in one doctor, I would presume. Yeah, I hadn't thought about that. So I know you mentioned that a lot of the patients that are at the center, like that's where they go for all of their uh, treatments and, you know, they're like permanent patients, basically. Mm -hmm. So is that how you guys get patients to go into the clinical trials is from patients that are already going to the center or do you find them in other ways? Yes. That's right. Yeah, and there's a database of patients that are born that have hemophilia. That's something that they test for. So we know right off the bat and right off the bat, typically the kids need, um, you know, especially males, it's predominantly in males, women are carriers. Um, but males, you know, if they're in the States, typically, I wouldn't say all the time, but some, most of the time they're getting circumcised. So 
Um, if they don't stop bleeding, then they know. Um, and I think the prick test, um, so yeah, there, once a patient is born and they're diagnosed, I mean, they typically have to get factor infusions or, you know, medication to help them. And sometimes people aren't diagnosed for a while. Like it's not, um, it's not so severe or hasn't progressed to being severe. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really interesting. <laughs> interesting. That is interesting. Yeah. Cool. So I wanted to uh, ask you, um, I know, you know, we talked a little bit about interpreting at the beginning, but mm -hmm. if you were to do like a, a, an event or something like that, a question that I have is, do they give you like what you're going to be interpreting or is it like in live interpretation and you just have to like go with it? I've always wondered that. <laughs> oh, no. So I, when I was in school, um, I interpreted the vagina monologues. Um, oh. Yeah, I ended up not being able to actually do the freaking show because I got really ill. I was so sad. I practiced girls oh, no. for eight weeks or 12 weeks. I can't remember. It was a long time. And I had all these, you know, monologues prepared. But typically when it's a show like that, you have plenty of time. You're given the script. But also as an interpreter, you have to be really flexible because things change constantly. So sometimes you're like, you know, you have to figure stuff off, off the cuff. It's kind of um, an improv type thing, but that's you usually, if it's a play or something that's been done a million times, you know what to expect and you have time to prepare. Okay, good to know. <laughs> we were wondering. <laughs> cool. Well, um, I think that's really most of the questions that we have. Katie, did you have anything else? Just, do you have any advice for people who either want to go into medical research or for people who want to be sign language interpreters? Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll speak out on the interpreting first. Um, you know, I, my story is a little different in how I progressed in my job while I was in school to be an interpreter. Um, you definitely have to have your heart and soul in it and um, always trying to better yourself, taking classes, workshops, um, befriending the deaf community, really just involving yourself. So it's a lifestyle and it's something that we need a lot more of. We need um, good, solid, ethical interpreters out there. Um, I, you know, my advice would be make sure you follow through, do all the practice that you can. And like I said, the most important is to befriend people in the deaf community, because there's a lot of deaf people out there that want to connect with you and they appreciate for sure um, the, uh, you know, just this, the support and the trying to understand and trying to communicate with them. So not that I want to speak on deaf people, um, but just having friends that are dear to my heart that are deaf and just listening to them and knowing their stories, that's all that you can really do is just, you know, take some time and be empathetic toward people's scenarios and situations. But 
be an interpreter. It's awesome. Interpreting is very cool. It's hard. It's hard. But if you work for it, it is like the coolest thing I think I've ever done. Um, very rewarding. And um, you're really assisting your community and um, just providing equal access. Just like when you and I hear the news, you know, deaf people can't hear that. They need captions. They need a sign language interpreter, an ASL sign language interpreter. So, um, so yeah, that's, that's my little uh, tidbit for ASL. And then if you want to get into research, buckle up because it is forever changing. Um, it's definitely, if you want to challenge, you know, like I said, if you really want to be in the medical field or do research in general, um, you know, be a nurse uh, or, you know, a lot of people, some people have like business degrees and they decide to, you know, do research. A lot of people have biology degrees, um, you know, just kind of makes sense, bachelor's of science. And then um, as far as research is concerned, I would definitely just, you can do, I mean, I could go anywhere and do research. I would just have to learn the topic or the idea. So like, if I wanted to go to dermatology, I would need to learn a lot about skin and, um, you know, really focus my time and energy on learning those things. But research across, across the board is the same. Um, so yeah, I mean, take your classes, get your certification and whatever you fall in, you will end up loving and, um, it won't take long to, to learn the topic that you've, you know, started to do research in because it's a very hard and fast learning curve. But if you like the challenge and you want to really help future people with, with, medication and you know I, I I can see people's reservations on big pharma but big pharma also does a lot of really great things too so um yeah so just do a lot of a lot of research before you get into research <laughs> <laughs> good advice well Shyla thank you so much for hanging out with us and yeah. taking quizzes with us yeah. <laughs> answering all of our all our dumb questions <laughs> <laughs> no, it was fun. Thanks, ladies. Thanks, Shyla. Talk to you yeah. soon. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Girls Just Wanna. If you've made it this far, we consider you a close and personal friend. So we hope you'll subscribe and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. And follow us at GJW Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. We love you. We love you. Bye. Bye.